This is Fresh Tracks Weekly. This week, we have a special guest, my wife, Kara, and we're going to talk about some popular misconceptions about wild game meat. But before that, we have just a few news stories that we found interesting this week. In Idaho, a bill was recently introduced that would allow outfitters to purchase an additional bighorn sheep, mountain goat, or moose tag if said outfitter fills a wolf tag while guiding. If you're unaware, moose sheep and goat tags are few and far between. Receiving one is kind of like winning the lottery. These species exist at extremely low densities coupled with very high demand creates this scenario. Idaho sportsmen have been quick to question this bill asking where will these tags come from? Is it taking opportunity from resident tag holders or is it coming from non-resident allocation? The idea to incentivize the killing of wolves is already a controversial topic with nonprofits offering monetary rewards or reimbursements for killing wolves, but this bill takes it a significant step further by utilizing Idaho Game and Fish and extremely valuable tags as the currency to do that bounty or incentive. This bill is in its early stage and is yet to be fully introduced, but if you're an Idaho resident and you want to get ahead of the game, the Idaho Wildlife Federation is encouraging individuals to email Senator Doug Okinawicz. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but I'll put his contact information in the link below. Also in Idaho, in some more positive news, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Idaho Fish and Game worked together to add an additional 328 acres to the Tex Creek Wildlife Management Area. The land itself is owned by three separate public agencies, but it's managed by Idaho Game and Fish primarily to provide wintering habitat for mule deer, elk, and moose which migrate into the area from up to 70 miles away. Over the years, they've improved the habitat by planting shrubs, improving conditions for aspen stands and grasslands, along with planting winter wheat and alfalfa for an additional winter forage for the wildlife. RMEF contributed over $187,000 to help finish the acquisition of this additional parcel, which brings the total area of the WMA close to 36,000 acres. Pretty cool to see another piece of important winter range protected. A new study conducted in Yellowstone National Park was recently published that compiled data over the last 20 years looking into the claim that wolves, grizzly bears, and mountain lions can restore ecosystems. What researchers found is that many of the previous claims of the impact that wolves have on ecosystems is fairly overblown. The theory in question is one of an epic trophic cascade occurring after reintroducing wolves into Yellowstone that caused the rivers to change. While several researchers have published studies on this topic, the reason it often garners a lot of attention stems from a viral video titled How Wolves Change Rivers. The video takes a portion of a journalist's TED talk and edits it to beautiful Yellowstone scenery and wildlife. He explains how wolf predation brings balance to the ecosystem, that an overpopulation of elk had degraded the vegetation and that when wolves were brought back, they killed and redistributed the elk, which allowed shrubs and forage to come back. In turn, this allowed birds to come back and beavers to come back, and the beavers changed the wetlands to create habitat for numerous other species. The wolves killing coyotes allowed for more mice and rabbits, which allowed for more raptors and small predators. It all paints a very beautiful and plausible picture, but the problem is that the evidence isn't there to support many of the claims. The researchers in this new study noted that the ecosystem had adapted to a different food web that lacked large predators for around 100 years and there likely isn't a quick fix. They went on to say that in the 20 years of collecting data that the vegetative ecosystem hasn't responded dramatically to the restored food web, but it's not to say that it couldn't happen in another 40 years. So basically, to summarize, while wolves have an impact on the landscape, the sensational claims of having an immediate effect on vegetation are simply overblown. Another study was recently published that looked into alternative methods for testing chronic wasting disease. CWD is, of course, a fatal disease that has become a top priority for wildlife managers. 
Currently, testing for CWD is only possible with dead animals and is primarily done through extracting lymph nodes, but if managers were able to sample live animals in some way, they would have a much better chance at early detection. In this new study, researchers collected fecal samples from white-tailed deer and were able to find differences in the microbiome between infected individuals and healthy individuals, and they were able to find these differences before outward symptoms appeared in the infected individuals. It remains to be seen exactly how accurate the sampling method will be if it is implemented outside the controlled study, but it is very promising to potentially have a way to sample live deer in the early stages of an outbreak. With that, we are jumping into our deeper dive where my wife Kara and I are talking about some of the misconceptions of wild game meat and our plans to conduct a blind taste test. So, for the deeper dive today, I thought we could talk about eating wild game meat and how there's some misconceptions often about wild game meat, old, old wives tales or whatever, you know. But we have a, a special guest, our resident food expert, Carol Andolfi. Wow. This is called last string, bring her in hot, after work, in the night, the dark, doors are locked, Randy's gone. <laughs> Hey, and hey. let's pull something together. You are real a resident quick. food expert, though, because you su- you studied food, you eat food every day, yeah, and you work with food every day. I just you- came from a huge international food bazaar where there was just different cuisines scattered throughout two gigantic buffet halls. Exactly. You so you so, work you do work with food, like you're the supply chain manager for culinary services at Montana State. Yes. So you do work with food a lot, but then also I think just like you. You pick up on little nuances with food. Like, you notice weird little things, I feel like. Oh, yes. I'm a very good weird noticer. Like, yeah. so it, I think you do have, like, a a really interesting, like, you have some interesting input on wild game meat, for sure, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Let's go. Because, I don't know, there's so many weird things that people, like, mention with, in terms of wild game. And I feel like... I've heard less and less of it over the like recent years. I think some of the misconceptions are starting to fade, but then you'll get with like a different group of people and you just like, you'll still hear it. Like, Oh, like, Oh, you guys eat waterfowl? Are you ducks and geese? Like, Oh, totally. gross. Yeah. Or uh, antelope. Oh, antelope. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> just had some last night. It was amazing. <laughs> right. Like what are do you, what are some other ones? There's um, like, Oh Yeah. People that only like whitetail, and they're like, oh, mule deer? Mm, mule deer gross. Or just like... Yeah, I find it... I think that we surround ourselves with a different subset of people, and obviously, as you go further on in your life, you just continue to choose people that you're going to have more similar ideas and thoughts with. And so we, unfortunately or fortunately, just have a ton of people surrounded by us that fully support all wild game consumption, right? Re- regardless of how crazy it might be. And so, I mean, if we, if somebody gets a porcupine, we're going to try it. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like our buddies, like oftentimes get roadkill and they're like stoked on it. They're like, look at what we got. Yeah. And so we, we have a different subset of people that kind of support our thoughts and outlook on the matter. But then suddenly, I mean, you work in the hunting industry and so you're constantly surrounded by people that again, are going to have a really similar mindset to things Whereas uh, I work with more uh, common 
people <laughs> the, the common folk <laughs> don't, don't make it sound so horrible <laughs> no but I, I i get what you're saying like more regular people that yeah, hunting that is not their you're life not, you're they, not surrounded by hunting and, and wild so, game all the time so yeah. many people have never experienced hunting or have really any any connection to hunting and it becomes even more apparent especially when i travel the country and i go to conferences in other states and other regions and i meet people that have no idea the difference between an elk or a deer or what a moose is or how big it might be or like can you eat a bear is that like a thing that you're allowed to do does it taste good things like that and so I get a ton of questions that are very different than our hunting pals because it's just more normal everyday people that have probably never eaten wild game for the most part when I'm meeting new people oh for sure but then even even amongst hunters and people who do at least occasionally eat wild game. Yeah, that's that, true. Then there's still those misconceptions of like, mm, yeah, that's I that's gamey. That's or true. Like that's an, true. like the antelope and mule deer. Mm, those are gamey. Yeah. And I, so that I like, agree with you. I agree with but that. But then and I do I support some of those statements. Well, some yeah, of and them. And that's the thing, is like it can exist. And so that's like that's what do you what do you think are some of the reasons that the, like the word gamey exists like why do people like describe the taste of certain wild game as gamey gamey i guess i mean let's think about what it tastes like and more often than not it's the gamey portion of something is kind of like an off flavor mm-hmm. which is reminiscent of like digestive right uh Fluids. Yeah. I feel like and it's rarely like if the meat was cared for properly, it the meat itself like rarely has an an off putting flavor. Usually, it's something else that has been right. like tainted on the meat that kind of provides that gamey flavor, and that's what I'm gonna kind of start with. But do I think that game can taste like game? Yes. Do I think that it has to taste like game and always taste like game? No. Gotcha. Like, elaborate. And I think, well, so, I mean, think of all the animals that we get. We we put a ton of care into it. And so, shot placement, obviously, you're going to want to have, like, a good shot. Yeah. There are circumstances when things go awry and you might hit guts or something might not be, like, the perfect scenario when you actually harvest the animal but then field care, as we've talked about in the past, uh, like that's, I think, where a ton of the gamey flavor can either result from or be avoided. And so that, to me, is when we're, when we're processing an animal in the field, something that you need to be as critical as possible with so that you don't puncture guts, you don't get any of the fecal matter on any of the game or on any of the meat. Right. If you get it on your hands or your gloves, however you're doing it, or your knives, you wash it, you change gloves if you do happen to puncture something. And, like, if you if you get guts or some bile or something like that on the meat, you're, you're just kind of cutting that away in the field. Because the moment that it's on there, it's just going to start, like, infiltrating into the meat and just going to kind of taint more and more of it. And, I mean, the same thing goes with, like, some of the hide and everything, too, of, like, hair and hide is pretty dang stinky. 
Oh, and, for sure. I mean, you walk through like elk beds and you can smell where an elk has been bedding. And all it's been doing is like peeing in its bed. Laying in it. Laying in it. Peeing all over itself as it's rutting. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And like, so like the hide is pretty gross too. And so if you're just like getting all like your hands like full of those oils and same thing with your knives and everything and you're getting it all onto the meat then it, you're going to have more of a gamey experience I think yeah and so trying to have like really good field care and same thing once you finally bring it home you're keeping it cold you're getting it cold as fast as possible getting a really good chill on it and then once you're processing it in your kitchen or wherever it is that again you're taking really good care of the meat so that you're avoiding as much of that as possible and like and trimming i think because like wild game fat is just more it has a a weird texture and like honestly though i feel like because i have left fat on stuff and i feel like it's less the taste and more often it's like the texture that's really kind of off-putting yeah there's i don't know that much that's great about wild game fat no and so and I mean, that's the thing that's going to go rancid quickest, even in the freezer. Yeah. And so even if you have a, like a piece of meat frozen, it still will go rancid because those like fat molecules, they will just turn over time. And that's basically like it, it goes rancid and then it's going to kind of create that um, gamey flavor. And then it's going to kind of like as you're chewing or if you grind it up or whatever, then it's going to kind of infiltrate until the rest of your dish too. And so having the lean muscle portion of all of the meat that you have, that's really what you're going after. If you like to leave a bunch of stuff on it, then you're going to just need to eat it quicker because the longer that packages sit in the freezer, that's when kind of things I feel like we've experienced kind of turn over time. And if you have a package of three-year-old meat, that you didn't trim very well and there's a ton of tendon or there's some extra fat on it or something, that's when you'll get like a piece as you're eating and you're like, ooh, that was that was a little gamey and you're like, I wonder what happened. Um, and that, that being said, though, I've been surprised at like some of the meat that's, you know, persisted and got lost in the freezer. Three, totally. F- we, we've eaten like meat four years old at least. and like, Easy. And it's – I. I feel like a lot of times it's absolutely fine though. More often than not, it tastes totally fine. You might have some freezer burnt. Right, that you, you trim it up, kind of take like off I've a little never, bit. Never, never thrown away an old freezer package of meat. Oh like, no, just there, trimmed it up a little more. Like inside. if you get some freezer burn, yeah, yeah. You're end and up you got to wrap trimming. it tight. You got to either like yeah. vacuum seal it or wrap it tight. And then, I mean, that's part of all the meat care. But I think that recently, in recent past the gamiest package of meat that we've had was kind of an under-trimmed roast that we just, like, sliced into steaks and cooked. Yeah. And, the like, most of the meat, most of the roast that was cut into steaks was totally fine. It tasted just like meat. And then there would be a couple bites that I would have, and I was like, oh, this is where, like, I can visually see that there's some fat in there that we didn't trim off, and there's a whole bunch of tendon. And I was like, that's kind of a gamey gamey piece but that was also a three-year-old package and it it like had fat we didn't trim it very well and that was kind of intentional because we're gonna cook it into a roast and then it kind of got buried in the freezer right but for 90 percent of our packages i'd say it's just tastes totally like meat and then you'll have that like random stir fry package that you're like there's like three pieces in that whole thing and you're like that tastes kind of weird but who knows Okay, so the one that I that always drives me crazy is is waterfowl. 
And I feel like, and maybe it's an acquired taste to some extent, but I feel like a lot of it's just people are unwilling to cook it in, in a, in a good fashion. Like, I feel like, like, yeah, if you just throw it straight up on the grill, like it might not be amazing, especially if it's like a diver yeah, or something, but I feel like there's so many options when it comes to waterfowl and you can like make so many good dishes, especially if you braise and slow cook and just like marinate it, marinate it. And just like, there's just so many different things you can do. And that one, I don't know. It kind of blows my mind that like how many people who love waterfowl hunting, even that I've talked to like, yeah, I don't really like eating it. Let's make it all into jerky. Yeah. Which like I sympathize with making the jerky because at one point in my life when I actually did get quite a few ducks, you end up with a lot of meat. And so it's like, yeah, I'll mix up a bit into jerky. But mm. to like just say that it's like that's the only thing you can do with it, I don't know. Like what do you think? Like you've made some phenomenal waterfowl dishes, I feel like. I mean, I think that duck is amazing. Yeah. Like mallard especially. Obviously, everybody's going to support that because um, a mallard, you like have it plucked. You have that fat on there. You kind of score it high heat, sear that sucker, you flip that over, you kind of have it rare. (sighs) Yum. That's just like straight delicious. When we start going into some of the other duck species, obviously some of those divers and stuff, they do have like a little muddier taste. Like coots? (laughs) Coots. I mean, I'm (laughs) I'm full supporter coots. Yeah. Uh, I love coots, uh, (laughs) mostly for American Coot Fest. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, best annual tradition in the history of the world. Where Uh, we've only actually killed maybe three or four coots total. But we've got four coots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're totally edible. Like, those aren't yeah. those are ones that you're not going to like straight up throw in the grill as successfully. But no, you can make yeah. you can make a good I mean, dish you, out of it. You them. can like braise all that oh, and yeah. turn it into shredded meat and put some sauce on it. You'll never know. But any of those divers or some of the other kind of more flavorful ducks, if you would, um, those I mean that it's perfect for marinating. I mean, duck, like waterfowl is just like a perfect meat to just try and marinate a ton of like Asian dishes, put some soy sauce, some like brown sugar, sesame oil. Um, I mean, just kind of doing that, just doing stir fries, even just cooking it over rice and something like that. Um, I think it's great. I mean, the thing though with duck, like, like a lot of meat, you want high heat. Don't just kind of like steam it and have just like no sear to it and. Yeah, that's just that you need the you need that caramelization for the flavor enhancement and, uh, yeah. And then I mean, if we move into like geese, geese, there's so much meat on a goose. Oh, for sure. For the breasts and the legs, and so much of the goose itself is in legs. And you braise those things. I mean, you do this all the time. You do this, and I don't because I don't ever get geese, and you're the one that kind of brings them home. But <sighs> braised and shredded goose legs, so good so phenomenal yeah. duck legs amazing too but there's obviously just more meat on a goose but whew, yeah you make some really good shredded goose yeah it's just all about like the slow cooking aspect of it or even it like because i don't plan ahead a lot of times and i've started to just use the instapot mm-hmm. instead of like like i in an ideal situation it's like all right i'm gonna sear this like hot on the cast iron and then i'm gonna simmer it in some sort of stock or liquid mm-hmm. basically all day and yes. then it just shreds apart and it's amazing delicious but when you're like me and you forget and you don't do it in the morning mm-hmm. and then you're like crap i only have an hour and a half then you mm-hmm. do the same thing you sear it really quick and then throw it in the instapot for 
an hour and 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then you have nearly the same product it's not pretty good i feel like there are like subtle differences and it's better if you like slow braise it throughout the day yeah but the Instapot gets you almost there. Like it's it's, it's pretty close. Pretty good whenever yeah. you do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're you keep experimenting and you're pretty good about it. But yeah, then I just don't know how to make like all the other good flavors meld together. You're really good at like coming up with actual dishes. But it's just at least if you just start with salt and pepper, we can yeah, flavor yeah. anything from there. <laughs> right, right. We can do we can uh, do different flavor profiles after the fact. Uh, but for sure, salt and pepper that's necessity for sure. Yeah, one of the f- things that I find the most interesting about wild game is we mentioned this at the very beginning about how people like, Oh, I like white tail, but I don't like mule deer mm-hmm. or, you know, this having preferences amongst the main red meat species that we have, Elk, you know, we, yeah, white tail for us, deer, antelope, antelope. Yeah. Those are kind of the big ones that we deal with on a regular basis. And, I feel like pretty much everyone, hunters included, people who don't hunt that have maybe dabbled in eating wild game, they all have preferences in theory mm-hmm. of like, well, I really like elk. I had elk once and I really like elk, but I don't, I don't really like mule deer or mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm kind of skeptical of antelope or what, whatever it is. People have their preferences. Yes. And so we've now participated in five, right? Blind taste tests. Yeah. Or no, is it five? I think I five. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've done, we've done a couple ourselves. We've done three ourselves where yeah. we've done backstrap nights. We've done a couple backstrap nights. We've done some burger. So yep. ground meat. And then we've had two. Yeah. And then Corey, my cousin, Corey, who's, mm-hmm. he's filmed a couple of the episodes for us. He, he's also conducted a few of the, mm-hmm. the blind taste tests. And those were with, um, some more miscellaneous cuts, more mostly hindquarter right. roasts, but slightly different, but still whole muscle cuts. Yeah. And pretty much every time, regardless of how it's been set up, it... Wait. What? How did you think you were going to do? I I think the... I'm trying to think. So on the very first one, I think even from the beginning, I was like pretty... I, I, I didn't think I would, no. I didn't think I would be able to distinguish the flavors that Skeptical. well. Skeptical. I was like, man, I, I just don't think I'll be able to tell. But most people, mm-hmm. I, well, I, I don't know about most. A lot of people were pretty confident that they would at least be able to pick out some. Like, like well, I'm, I don't know. I might not be able to tell the difference between this, but I'll definitely be able to pick out antelope. Totally. Or I'll definitely be able to pick out meal deer or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, or elk is for sure yeah. my favorite. I don't like any of the others. And so out of the whole plate, I'm only going to like the elk. Right. Yeah. And then across the board, like nobody has ever got all of the answers right. Nobody swept it. Nobody has ever swept it. No. There's been a few instances where people have got like, what, four out of five or This three is out the first year that we've had the best scores. score. Yeah. And you, well, you did well, but do you think, were you able to actually distinguish or were like, what were you, you were the, you did the best out of anybody of like the, whatever that was there 13 people there or something. Quite, there was quite a few. Yeah. I did the best. And this was the most, like I tried to distinguish as best I could this time, but there was some slight, slight discrepancies in the meat in the sense that they were coming from different people and they were handled differently too. Oh, so you so, you did have a little bit of an advantage 
You're cheating a little bit. No, I wouldn't say it was cheating, but I just think that, like, again, kind of going to field care, I think that the way in which we handle meat is going to be different than other people. Yeah. And I think that that sometimes becomes more distinguishable if you're you're kind of getting some of the field back home with you. Gotcha. So, but, I mean, I guess go back to the results of the first wild game tasting and kind of talk us through that. Of. Yeah, it was just like straight up random chance, essentially. I think about 30% we got, wasn't that about 20? 20, 20, 20% yeah. correct. So random, statistically, like random chance is about 20%. And so if you're just going to have a test and you just like randomly go through it and you're just like, you're not trying, you're just doing it. Yeah. Random chance of getting the right scores on whatever it is, is about 20%. Right. And so on that very first wild game tasting night that we had, which was a backstrap night, at the end of it, collectively, we were sitting right around 20%. Yeah. And for, we'd made, all of us. did we make two videos or just the one video? There's definitely at least one video on Fresh Tracks. I think on, you made two. I think Fresh you made two. Because I think there's, yeah. a, there's a backstrap and the burger one. Yeah. So those are both. some old videos like three or four years ago that we did. Yeah. And I think that that was that first night, though, was the first kind of slap in the face to a lot of our friends, too, that hunt a lot yeah. and have eaten a lot of wild game of, wow, maybe I don't actually know what I'm thinking that I'm talking about all these years. And right. maybe I don't know. It's harder than I think to distinguish, to literally just distinguish the species sitting on the table. I think that, obviously, if you had pork and beef and chicken and like goat sitting in front of you one they're not all red meats and you're going to be able to hopefully distinguish them yeah a bit more but when suddenly you have all big animals that are all red meat having them all in front of you it suddenly becomes a much harder task than you would ever imagine and you go huh maybe i don't actually have a preference yeah well and i, I think my favorite thing is that I can't, I, it might have been all five. Was it all five? Because we always picked a favorite. Mm-hmm. Do we, or this last one, what? We, did, we picked a favorite too. What was it? Oh, I guess we didn't, we didn't actually. I'm trying like, to remember what it was. Choose what number. We didn't tally up we what the favorite, we, favorite was. I blame Corey. <laughs> um, but I think on most of them, the favorite ended up being mule deer. It yeah, and then, very often it was mule deer. And I know on the first two <laughs> tests, it was an old rutted up buck mule deer, <laughs> and that was the favorite, which yeah. I absolutely love. I just find a lot of humor in it. Yeah, yeah. I love it because most people, like, if you told people it was that, it would not be their favorite. Mm-hmm. It's a mental game. Oh, it's a total mental game. With that, I I want to do another one. I want to okay. do another I'm blind in. blind I'm taste game. test, and so this is kind of a prerequisite prerequisite the number one thing that we need to make sure happens is that randy's there because randy we have talked about this with him multiple times and he is one of the most confident people that he will (laughs) absolutely 100 percent be able to distinguish what species is which okay i will put money on it that he cannot do it Okay. He is confident. So that is, uh, we've talked about scheduling this and I'm like, the only, the only requirement is that Randy is there. Okay. And Everett will schedule everyone else around Randy. So sure. we need yeah. to make sure that he's present for this one. Okay. So I'm trying to think of like what else. And like, this is kind of, I'm like pulling the audience a little bit. So if people have 
recommendations. Put them in the comments. Like, how should we conduct this? Like, we've done backstrap. We've done burger. We've done the hindquarter. Like, I, it's probably, I feel like backstrap is probably the way to go. I don't know. It's, like, kind of a uniform thing. We could, like, trim them up so they're, like, the same size. Mm-hmm. Try to cook them exactly the same. Cook it on same, the same temperature. Like just maybe a light salt and pepper. We don't want to go s- no seasonings. You got to have a little. Like you got to have some salt so it at least draws yeah. out the flavor a little bit. Yeah. So it, it, it just enhances the flavor of that particular meat. But the same application to each one. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And then we'll cook them in the same temperature and then we'll cut them into the same size dice so that you don't like, even though a backstrap of a, a mule deer versus a moose or an elk. Like, you can't just, like, cut it into 12 pieces. We got to cut it into the same diced size. Right. And so then they're going to be indistinguishable in, at that sense. And then you also got to be mindful of not piling on the entire backstrap onto said plate so that, you, yeah, oh, you, you got it. Like, it's like, well, how come there's so much of that one? Like, well, that was the moose. <laughs> yeah. So we have, we'll bring we have that, you can bring that out at the end, <laughs> end of the test. We can, we have the same amount of meat on each yeah. of the yeah. um, sample plates. I like uh, it. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's a matter of, do you have the species picked out of what you're wanting to do? Cause I feel like we can't do more than five, more than five. It starts becoming right. It, like you're, you start having to think back too far, even so though I it was just a couple minutes ago. I feel like five is a good number, but again, that's a question. What, I mean, what do people think? Four to five. And then the other thing that we've toyed with is what if you had two of the same? Mm-hmm. So this is my and next you, thing and you, I want to do. And you let people know, like you say, Hey, two of the plates that you're about to sample are the same exact animal. Mm-hmm. What? And then will people be able to identify which ones are the same? Yeah. And I think even that <laughs> might be difficult. I do too. <laughs> like, it's kind of bonkers, like <laughs> how similar red meat tastes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's there are subtle differences. Like, you'll eat each plate, and like, well, that one does have like a subtle difference. But like, can I pick it out? Like, no, mm-hmm. I cannot. I cannot tell you like what that is. Like, and I feel like you could do it. Like, you could tell me what they are and then shift them around and make me do it 20 minutes later, and I don't think I'd be able to do it. <laughs> that could be a fun new component yeah. of it, too. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, if people have ideas, let us know. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. We're going to do another blind taste test, and Randy, he said he's going to get a perfect score. Okay. Perfect score. I, he, I'll okay. even let it be all his animals if he wants. Like oh, If it's, like, sure. he, he could have sampled all, the, like, we're only going to use the animals that you you killed okay. or whatever. Yeah, he can pull out the yeah. specific packages. Yeah, that's fine. And then we'll just do it all, and then he, yeah. he doesn't get to see what's yeah. happening. Well, thanks, Kara, for joining me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. You're a great, you're a great <laughs> Fresh Tracks uh, weekly guest. Okay. We're, we're going to have to have you back. All right. No one else was here because we did it after hours. <laughs> Nobody wanted to stick around for that's late fair. night Fresh Tracks weekly. So Yeah. But anyway... Thanks for watching and or listening. All right. See ya. Go eat your hearts out. <laughs> <laughs>